everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Preet. And this is Sicker Than Your Average Health Show. When you're not listening to our show, where do you turn for your trusted source of health information? We had a conversation with one of the brighter minds out there who was sharing her expertise in a really effective way. And it may not be how you'd expect. Today, we get up to date with the trends, and we did that with some help. I'm Dr. Anna Blakeney, and I'm going to show you why this podcast is sicker than your average health show. We are really excited to hear more from today's very special guest on the show. But uh, Preet, why don't you tell us a little bit more uh, about that guest? Absolutely, Josh. Our guest today is Dr. Anna Blakeney, uh, and she has quite the resume. She's a bioengineer who did her PhD at the University of Washington before spending a few years working in London before this. Now she's returning to the Pacific Northwest to uh, become an assistant professor at the University of British Columbia, where you and I met many years ago. Back at the stomping ground. Yeah, Dr. Anna Blakeney has had uh, an incredibly busy year. Working at Imperial College obviously kept her quite busy, but uh, she's been working on something that the world desperately needs right now. I've seen her on Vogue, CBS. She's come up on my social media with interviews on Al Jazeera, a Q&A with the mayor of London, and another interesting podcast, BBC's How to Vaccinate the World. But now she's making her most notable appearance yet on today's show with us. Yet surprisingly, none of these are where Dr. Blakeney's been creating the most buzz this year. With over 200,000 followers and videos with up to 16 million views, Dr. Blakeney is blown up on TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. So the show becomes a little divided. If you know those songs, you need no introduction to TikTok. However, if you're like a lot of the listeners and two of the hosts of this show, you have no idea what TikTok even is. So maybe it's time for the talk on the talk. That was terrible, but that's okay. That's, that's why we're not on TikTok. Uh, so TikTok is a social media platform where you create and share music videos that you make at home on your phone. And yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can use it. You can use it for a creative outlet as if you're someone who has skill in singing or playing an instrument, or you can make just really funny videos. And that's the only reason that I started scrolling anything on TikTok. So you're saying it's high quality and uh, highbrow. Uh, exactly. That's, that's exactly the point that I want to take away from today. Excellent. So, Preet, I, uh, I did do some poking around TikTok, and I saw this term that is a verified creator, and uh, I don't really know what that would mean on TikTok, where you just said you're making your own content and you're making your own little videos. Why would, one, why would you need to be a verified creator if you're just filming a little music video of yourself? Well, I know how much you love influencer culture, Josh, and uh, this is all tied up in that. But basically, if you have a lot of followers on TikTok, you get verified so that people don't impersonate you or try to use your platform against you in some way. Part of that whole process now on TikTok is verifying science influencers and health education influencers. So here's what's happening. There's a bunch of health education now on TikTok, and it's being delivered in a really unique way. This is all part of a process called knowledge translation. And if you aren't familiar, knowledge translation is basically when you take scientific information and explain it in a way someone who isn't a scientist can understand. And TikTok has also put a lot of money into this process of knowledge translation, starting initiatives, funding some users to create videos that inform and educate the public on certain issues. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening on the platform right now. There totally is. And 
that stuff that's happening on the platform covers a lot of different health topics. We are talking important topics like palliative care, uh, which deals with the medicine for people at the end of their life. Or we're talking about obstetrics and gynecology, looking into very important women's health issues, and all the way to dermatology. There's experts in many different fields on there, but not everyone on there is an expert. Not everyone on there is a verified creator. And like my mom used to always tell me, it's important that you don't believe everything you see on TV. Right, Preet? Well, as, as always, Josh, your, your mom was right. You shouldn't believe everything you see on TikTok. And that's part, partly why they have this thing called verified creators, to help people understand if information is credible or not. But even moving farther than that, these conversations about whether TikTok is a good platform to use, whether people should even be on it in the first place, it can be really hard to have a discussion if you don't use it like us. So we decided, why don't we talk to an expert who uses it and has that platform? She's a verified creator, a PhD science influencer, and the biggest guest to be on Sicker Than Your Average Health Show since Dr. Stan the Man Bartle made his appearance all the way back in episode one. Here's our conversation with Dr. Anna Blakeney. Hi, I'm Dr. Anna Blakeney. I am an assistant professor at the University of British Columbia in the Michael Smith Laboratories. I have a PhD in bioengineering from the University of Washington and a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering from University of Colorado. And I am a part of Team Halo. Do you maybe, I know you've explained in quite a few of your articles uh, how you started using TikTok, but would you mind maybe giving us a bit of a summary of how you started using it and why you chose it in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've always been really passionate about public engagement in general. I think it's really important for scientists to, you know, communicate what we're doing directly to the general public. So I've done a number of different things, you know, in my academic career. Um, this, you know, 2020, this past year with the pandemic and everything, I think it's come, you know, become even more important. So I was doing lots of stuff at Imperial to educate people and I ended up doing a Reddit AMA. Do you know what those are? Yes, I've read a couple. And so I did one with my coworker, Paul, on kind of saying, you know, we're scientists working on a COVID-19 vaccine, ask us anything. And so that was, yeah, really great just because people were able to type in their um, questions and then we could respond to them. And it ended up getting a lot of upvotes. Um, so it ended up making it to the front page of Reddit, which, you know, is great because it means lots of people saw it. Um, and then the next day I was in my office and I got a call on my office phone, which is really unnerving because I didn't even know my office phone number. So I'm always like, oh, how do people get this number when I like clearly have never given it out? Um, and it was um, someone from Team Halo calling who had seen my Reddit AMA and was interested or asked if I was interested in getting involved. So Team Halo um, started as a collaboration between the UN Verified Initiative and uh, the Vaccine Confidence Project. And really the whole goal is to just connect scientists and clinicians who are working on COVID-19 directly with the public. So they are actually the ones that decided to do it over TikTok. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's kind of pros and cons to any social media channel that you that you choose. But yeah, TikTok is the platform that they decided to go with. So that that's how I got into it. We've seen you in like all sorts of different platforms like Vogue UK on CBS on, you know, like a, a, a Q&A with the mayor, like all of these different platforms for you. What's been the big highlight of all those platforms so far, just from experience standpoint or from a professional standpoint, what's been the best for you? Yeah, that's a great question. 
It's kind of hard to know because I think for me, like really the mission and the point of doing all this stuff is just to one, educate people and really be able to be there and answer their questions and also to inspire people. So it's kind of kind of hard to know how like engage how that's going when you're doing even like tv or media interviews um because you know of course people see it but you don't get much feedback on the other side of it so i actually think in that way um everything i've done on tiktok has been the most rewarding for me because there's like back and forth with people and i can engage with people in like really good conversations about vaccines and questions they might have and so i think that actually has been the most rewarding experience for me but i guess that that kind of relates to something you said in the early part when you were summarizing why you got onto tiktok um so you said people are often asking you about vaccines and other sort of health related topics do you have something that comes to mind as one of the most common themes or questions that you're getting approached about um, through TikTok or even any of your other social platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, I would say kind of universally, especially with vaccines and COVID this year, the major two questions I get are, has the vaccine been rushed? Because I think people just constantly see in the media that it normally takes five to 10 years and then it just seems you know, completely impossible for it had to, to be a, been developed in nine months. Um, and then also wondering, you know, people wondering about the safety and the side effects of the vaccine. Um, so those are like through and through the questions I get the most. Yeah, I guess it is the topic of the day. So it's not not totally surprising right now in this moment. And I mean, they're perfectly valid, right? Like, you know, questions that I've even, you know, struggled with and thought about for myself. So yeah, that's, I understand. Would you classify it as quite challenging to deliver your information over TikTok? Or would you say that the format really makes it easy for you to make it engaging? I think it's a really interesting platform in that way, actually, because, you know, as an academic and my normal teaching method would be to like deliver a lecture, right? Which is, you know, probably an hour long and there's lots of different slides in it and you go really, really in depth with what's hopefully like a really interested audience, but not necessarily. Um, with TikTok, I think what's so great about it is that it's, you know, it's in these 15 or 60 second snippets. And so it makes science really approachable. Like, you know, you have to kind of pack in the information, but also make it funny or engaging or entertaining in some way so that people will actually pay attention and, you know, you know, watch it and, um, and make it impactful in that way. So I think it's actually a really great medium for that because I think in general, like just science is really intimidating. Sometimes people don't know where to start or, you know, it just seems like, you know, they don't have the right education for it. And so it doesn't seem as approachable, but I think TikTok just totally overcomes that and forces you to make it approachable. I was going to ask, you mentioned sort of that it is, is so much more approachable. Have you found some tactics that have worked for you in sort of conveying what, like you have a PhD level education in something and you're trying to, in 15 seconds, relay some aspect of the information. Is there some tactic that maybe you've taken from your your lecture style or something new to TikTok that you've found has been successful for sort of trying to relay that complicated information? Yeah, so I think what's really important um, just on TikTok is really kind of thinking about your audience. And so, you know, as, you know, a science communicator, this is something I'm always trying to get better at. You know, I spend a lot of time talking to other scientists and that's actually, I think, the easier part because we all, you know, have the same vocabulary and training and understanding. Um, so something I'm just perpetually trying to improve on is just being able to communicate to anybody about science 
clients and have them really understand. So I think on TikTok, um, kind of my general strategy is, you know, if you've ever scrolled through there or like, you know, TikTok, there's, there's kind of general like trends and sounds and um, stuff like that, that goes around. So my strategy is usually to look at that and see what people are doing and then adapt it and make it kind of like scientific and vaccine and educational. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I try and do. Um, but it's really just kind of like boiling it down so that people can, you know, get a snippet and learn something in a like really short time frame. That's a pretty good tactic. I think that, uh, using the trends that already exist, uh, and just using, you know, uh, adapting to them probably sounds like it works quite well. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I mean, I think that's the main thing, right? It's, the whole platform is, you know, people kind of copying each other as weird as that sounds. So I think, you know, on successful accounts, they just take whatever trends out there and make it theirs, whatever your niche is. And then, you know, you kind of build a following and engage with people that way. Do you think there's any responsibility or there's any place in the future of health education where as a undergraduate or a graduate student, any part of your curriculum might include uh, properly getting out some some factual scientific information in there over a social media platform. I think just in general, kind of big picture, the best strategy is really, you know, on all these social media platforms where there's lots of misinformation, it's important to be filling them also with information. And I think TikTok's actually done that in a really intentional way. So they have, you know, like the hashtag learn on TikTok, and now they have the whole learn channel um, next to the like follow in for you pages. So I think they are trying to really fill that niche and that void. Um, and so, yeah, I think it would be great. You know, I think there's already loads of content on TikTok where it's like you can go and actually learn and there's so many different topics and things that you can learn about. And I think it's a really great resource for that. So yeah, I would love to see that grow and, you know, have even more scientists connecting on there. Uh, so I was just wondering, um, Dr. Blakeney, based on how you we're talking about battling misinformation on TikTok. Is it more important to focus on delivering information that directly disputes the misinformation out there? Or is it, do you find that it's important to take pieces of misinformation and then try to disprove it for people? I think it's a combination. So I would say probably the majority of what I do is just trying to put out you know, the correct information out there. And for me, that's usually like really data driven um, conclusions or explanations of studies or ans even answers to people's questions. I do think there, you know, TikTok has features that make it um, actually really easy to confront misinformation. So, you know, they have where you can like duet or stitch with people, which means using someone else's video um, for a part of your video. So you can kind of, you know, have them have the duo there and kind of show the two sides of a story if you want, which I think is, is a really good strategy sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of both really, but um, on the platform as well, I think, you know, there's a certain amount of responsibility that, you know, creators and users and also the platform has um, as far as, you know, how we handle misinformation. So, you know, on a platform level, there's already um, kind of regulations in place where if people are posting about, you know, anything about COVID-19, they'll, they'll have a little like strip at the bottom saying like access this page for you know COVID-19 up-to-date information um, and so I think I think that's really positive just like 
you know, any conspiracy theories or anything that's out there, people can just, you know, they see that at the bottom and it might, you know, kind of trigger them to say, oh, well, like maybe I'll actually like look into this a little, little bit more. Have you found yourself, um, because we know that some people have a policy where they don't answer private messages, but have you found yourself having to directly interact with people who might disagree with your information that you're providing or just really be maybe stubborn in their stance? Obviously in the comment sections, um, there are, you know, I get a lot of conspiracy theories and people saying like, don't get this vaccine, you know, um, et cetera. And so my attitude there is really just trying to like stick to my mission. So personally for me, I'm actually, I'm not there to convince people to get a vaccine. I'm just trying to answer their questions and give them the information they need to make an informed decision for themselves. And so I'm not really like there to like argue with like somebody about a conspiracy theory or just, you know, kind of have these bad arguments about like, oh, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Um, you know, I'm really just trying to like answer people's questions in a constructive way. So that's, that's kind of, I try to just stick to my mission and not get distracted. <laughs> you sort of mentioned how like you, you sort of see those comments and you're sort of able to avoid them by sort of not directly engaging with them. But uh, I, I want to touch on two things. One, the point about sort of, you're not there to convince people, but you're there to provide information. But the, the first one I want to get to is how does it make you feel as someone who's devoted your life and spent your time to be really well educated on these things, providing this information and for someone to so blatantly, you know, disbelieve what it is you spent all this time on? How does that make you feel? Yeah. So I think, um, it, it kind of depends on the situation. So there's lots of people like there, I get comments all the time of people saying like, I will never get this vaccine. Like, you know, I'm, it's not for me. And I think so, you know, which we would generally categorize as like a person who's vaccine hesitant. Right. Um, and I actually don't think that's a bad thing. Like people have all different reasons for not wanting to get a vaccine. You know, sometimes they may have health reasons or, um, you know, perfectly legitimate reasons, which mean that, you know, they actually shouldn't get a vaccine. And so I tried to just always be respectful people and kind of understand where they're coming from. So when people say that, I actually just try to engage with them and be very open-minded about the reasons behind it. And so I'll often ask people like, oh, you know, like, why not? Or like, and I'll sometimes like look at their profile. So I know their name and it's a little more personal and say like, hi, Mike, like, you know, why not? And then I think when you do that and you're just more friendly about it, they'll often come back and say like, oh, well, I saw in the news, like, blah, blah, blah. Then, then you can actually have a conversation and say like, oh, well, you know, here's what I know about that. Like, like, let me educate you as opposed to just like, you know, kind of trying to like twist someone's arm into getting a vaccine. So I think for me, it's, it's important to like, basically just remember not to take it personally, like people that don't want to get vaccines aren't like, you know, trying to personally attack my <laughs> line of work and life's work, I guess. Um, and so I try to just be like really open-minded and kind about it and try and just understand where people are coming from. I'm not sure it's the most like efficient way to do something, but I think people do spend a lot of time looking at the comments. And if you, if you're a verified creator, like I am, it like rises to the top of the comment section, which I think is really useful for me. And so people will, you know, even if I'm just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, it rises to the top and other people will see it and sometimes interact with it. And so I think hopefully it's not just like one person at a time. <laughs> 
And what is a verified creator and how do you get to become because one Because I'm those? a part of Team Halo, um, they were a really, yeah, important part of me getting verified. So they helped me to do that. Um, so I actually got verified really early on. If you go back to some of my like early videos, you'll see people being like, how are you verified with like <laughs> 200 followers? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. People yeah, pay attention. Yeah, so they're like, mm, this, this is fishy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, they do make, you know, kind of exceptions like that. Cause I think, you know, Team Halo works directly with some people at TikTok. And so um, that was like part of their mission was just like getting these scientists in to have hopefully the best visibility possible. Um, but yeah, normally I think it's just, you have to get us to a certain amount of followers. I think I'm like probably at a level where it's more normal to be verified now. So I don't get that question anymore. <laughs> I have relatives that use TikTok. I don't really use TikTok. Uh, I don't think Josh has ever even signed into TikTok instead of watching months. <laughs> I don't recommend people start doing it if they want to have any level of productivity in their lives. <laughs> the demographics of people who are on TikTok, it appears to be something that's largely driven by undergrads now and really, really predominantly high school students. And I'm wondering if you've noticed any sort of difference when you're engaging on TikTok versus like based on maybe the generation or based on the style of communicating, like, have you had any experience with that? Yeah, so I think um, I think you're right. It's definitely younger generations. Like I'll sometimes see comments that are like, someone that was born in 1999 is so old. And I'm like, <laughs> I am like a way too old to be here. <laughs> um, so I think it does change kind of just the way that I talk to and engage with people, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think it's just like, you know, you'll see some of the trends that go around are like dances or like songs and so it's really kind of just being okay with like making a fool of myself in front of 15 year olds <laughs> but I've, I'm not ashamed of that so <laughs> it's it's hard though to make stuff though that's that's engaging on that platform if you don't like if you don't engage with those trends like you had talked about because I think that seems to be the challenge for a lot of people who are trying to communicate science is just putting it out in a way that they're okay with it being delivered differently than maybe they would to someone else in their field. But I think that's the thing you have to get over, right? Is you have to like play to the strengths of TikTok, which is that people just, you know, they're scrolling through it. They don't spend a lot of time watching a video. So it has to be instantly engaging and then like entertaining in some way to like just retain them looking at the screen. And so, um, yeah, it's not a normal way of communicating, right? Like I don't get up in front of a classroom and like sing terrible songs and dance. Like that's, it's not necessarily, hopefully. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it, it is a very different way, but I think you just have to like play to the strengths of the platform basically. So it sounds like you've found out that uh, singing and dancing isn't like the biggest strength for maybe presenting content in every platform. But uh, what what has been the biggest surprise for you so far in this whole foray into being on TikTok? I think going into it, I wasn't sure really what to expect as to how impactful I thought it would actually be. Like I had never used, I started using TikTok in October. Like I had never been on it beforehand. I had no idea how to do it, right? So um, I wasn't sure like what engagement would be like, right? Like, do you just like put up something and then people comment on it and there's just like no back and forth, like no discourse. Um, but I think that's something that's really just surprised me is just the level of conversations that I'll have 
in the comments section. And, you know, if I, if I post like kind of like a controversial video, there often be people who like will chime in on my behalf. Like if somebody says like, Oh, like, Oh, it, you know, causes this or blah, blah, blah. Or like, um, they'll just like, you know, people that like, I don't know, like are clearly my followers and know my work, but will be like, Oh, well, like in this other video, she said this and like, we'll like refer back to other things or like, um, and it's, it's quite like a, a community and also they get into a lot of detail actually. Um, and actually I've also been surprised that just like there's people definitely are like switched on and paying attention. So, um, I think they actually do listen to you and remember, and like, they aren't afraid to call you out on things, which I think is really good. Um, so the other like really surprising thing for me was, um, yeah, so one of my videos kind of like totally blew up, which I think is just gave my account like just a lot more followers than I probably would have had. But I made a like really to date still like the dumbest video I've made. <laughs> of, uh, um, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but there was basically like a was like looking around the lab for a vial and we had like um, all the ones that we had used that day were already gone and so it wasn't worth like thawing, thawing another actual vaccine and so I just like put a label like COVID-19 vaccine on a glass vial like so stupid and filmed it like filled it with water and filmed it knocking over and that video now has like 16 million views and so that is definitely a surprise like I must have just I think like I think it did appeal to people's like worst fears at that time, right? Like that was before any vaccine was approved. And, you know, that's all we've heard all, like all year was like COVID vaccine, COVID vaccine. And so, and I think it just like hit the algorithm, right? And so, yeah, that video just blew up, which was, yeah, definitely a surprise. I think I, I think I saw that one. Is that, that's the, the, oh no, yeah. oh no, no, no. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So you also, you also capitalized on a good trend there, I think. Yep. I've been seeing that all over Instagram as well, but I think that, that that song may have passed now. I don't know. We might have to loop in like a hundred different TikTok songs to intro this episode, Josh, uh, to see which one is relevant. That's on you. That's <laughs> You're the social media manager. That's your job. I'm not, yeah. I'm not doing any of that. Okay. So anyway, going back to something you said that I thought was really interesting was the, it's kind of like a sense of support you have from some of your followers and then other colleagues in the field who maybe you don't work with directly, I imagine, but just interact with maybe through TikTok. Um, so is this something that you are advocating for? Like, do you think that other scientists and health professionals should try getting on TikTok and practice this skill? Or do you think it's really about just comfort level with getting on? I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but is this just something that you're pushing for? Um, it's something I'd really like to see. So obviously like more scientists, the better. I think it's like, I kind of think of it as like comrades, like we're all out there together trying to like spread correct information in a way. So I think that's really positive. Um, the other people, yeah, I do. I interact a fair amount with the other people on team Halo, um, you know, some of which who I've like worked directly with. Um, and, you know, there's also just kind of like some random scientists who I follow and now have, you know, just interact with pretty regularly. So I think that's really positive. I think the main barrier, which is always going to be a barrier, which, you know, as Josh can probably attest to, it's like you start, you have to start using a new social media platform, right? And there's like an activation energy, you have to figure it out. Like, 
TikTok is actually a pretty sophisticated video editing software in your phone. And so there's so many features you can use and kind of just like little tips and tricks to make your video better. And so I think there is definitely like a learning barrier that you have to go get over. Um, so I think that's really like the main barrier for people. And I, I actually like get comments all the time that are like, oh, well, like, how do you have so much time to do this? Like, don't you have like a real job to do? And like the answer is like, yeah, definitely. Like I, I could just like not be doing this. Um, but I, I mean, I do think it's, I think once you get to a certain level, like it doesn't take me very long to make a TikTok video anymore. And so at this point now it's kind of just like maintaining it. Um, and so I think once you get to that point, yeah, it's, it's a much easier. What, what is the turnaround time for you to make a video? Like when you say it doesn't take you that long anymore, well, how long does it take Probably you Probably like now? 10 to 15 minutes max. Um, I think it's kind of something that's really charming is, you know, it's like all these like selfie filmed videos. They're like really low production value, I guess, just speaking for myself. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the charm in it. It's like they're really personal. You have like, you, you know, you just, you know what that person is like because it's just them talking to the camera. And so I think that's, that's why it also allows people to connect with you really well. Uh, we met, you mentioned through Team Halo how there's kind of it's kind of like part of the mission for people to be on TikTok distributing this information. But outside of the professionals that you're interacting with on TikTok, uh, have you seen your activity on TikTok affect other parts of your career and other parts of your professional interactions? I guess what I'm asking is, have you had some interactions with people based on your TikTok? Yeah, so I, I always joke, I'm like, oh, I wonder when this is gonna start like negatively affecting me professionally. <laughs> um, but I actually, so I guess, yeah, so this week, for example, I've been interviewing students for PhDs and like all of them were like, oh, I've seen your TikToks. And I'm like, mm, I'm sure that made like a great, really respectable first impression for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, I think that's a thing, but you know, I think it's, I like, I'm, I'm not that worried about it because I think the thing on TikTok is, you know, I'm just being my authentic self anyways. I think I'm just, you know, yeah, you can look like a fool and like acting stupidly sometimes, but the point is like, that's just my personality. Like people will get to know that eventually. So um, they just probably get to see it sooner than later. But I think the really great thing about it is uh, even like professionally, if you think about it, you know, scientists like attached to like every grant is like some sort of like knowledge translation where like you're supposed to you have this like duty to educate the public and um you know most people have trouble filling out that part of the grant section because they're just in the lab and then you know doing the research and you know then they write a paper and present it at a conference and that's the end of it and so i think for me you know i'm like really dedicated to actually doing that part of knowledge translation. And so then saying like, oh, well, I have, you know, a following of 200,000 people and I can directly educate them about like, you know, any cutting edge research that I'm working on. And so I think it's actually a really powerful professional tool as well. I could see that's a really interesting idea um, because I could see researchers getting their research assistants to start making TikToks for them. They're probably, I mean, they're probably already way better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs>
We're getting close to the end of the time with you. And we really appreciate all the time you've given us so far. We're wondering if we can sort of close out on uh, Pearl or a tip for people out there when they're looking for good sources of health information, much like your own, um, what sort of things to look for, where to go looking for them and how people can maybe stay best informed out yeah, there. Yeah, so I guess my general approach and the advice that I give to people is there's, you know, we're just completely bombarded by information on, you know, the news and social media now. And so kind of my general approach is that when you see something, you know, some sort of fact or new sort of information, I think it's important to just kind of listen to your gut. So it's like you see something, if it seems totally crazy, or there's like a little niggle in your mind of like, oh, this doesn't seem quite right, follow up on it, like go to a source where you know, you can count on the information. Um, and really probe into it. You know, often if I see something or people say something that seems totally outlandish, I'll ask for a link um, and, you know, see where this information is coming from. And I think that's really important. So it's kind of just like listening to your gut and then following up on things that feel weird. Dr. Blaketon, we really appreciate your time today. This was a fantastic conversation for us. We really appreciate you being willing to come on the show and chat with us. And uh, we hope that maybe we can have another conversation again in the future when maybe the world's a little bit different. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. You may have noticed in the first four episodes that we use four different songs, and that's because one, we've been bickering back and forth about which song to use, but two, and more importantly, we've got a great hookup at RitualMusic.com. RitualMusic.com is a music licensing website, and they can set you up if you're needing a soundtrack for your next project, whatever that project may be. Using an intuitive tagging system, Ritual makes it really easy to find any song you need based on the genre, mood, or overall style. So if you're looking to find some tracks for your own creative project, whether it's a movie, podcast, or personal website, use our affiliate link in the show notes and use the promo code SICKHEALTHSHOW to save up to 50% off an unlimited music subscription. All right. Well, Dr. Blakeney definitely shared her really unique perspective with us uh, as an actual science influencer now that I know what science influencers do on TikTok. If you want to follow a little bit more of her work, you can check her out on TikTok at Anna.Blakeney. But you can also find out a little bit more about her research. Uh, You can listen to her on some other podcasts where she talks about vaccine hesitancy and skepticism, as well as the science behind those vaccines. So the links to those are in the show notes. They're called Never Lick the Spoon and New Scientist Weekly. So Josh, after hearing Dr. Blakeney today talking about TikTok, do you think you'll jump on the platform? You know, we always end up having these same conversations, don't we, Preet, about how to be on social media, whether we should be on it or not. We end up coming around to the point that, yeah, we should probably be on there because of the platform's extensive reach. However, anyone who knows me would probably know that I'm notoriously skeptical and have my own hesitance about being on social media. There's certainly some opposition for why giving health information and education on these platforms can be a challenge. It takes away from your professional time, and there's even that possible professional impact that Dr. Blakely alluded to. But we have to come back to reality and the times we're living in. It's really important for those who are in health, be it a researcher or a clinician or anywhere in health where you have access to important health information that people should have the ability to know, it's important that you're present and that you contribute to the conversation right where it seems to be taking place most these days. And that is definitely online. Yeah, I think it's important not to be judgmental either if you're a healthcare worker, researcher, or even somebody, or if you're not in that field, it's important to understand that maybe it's part of the job description now 
to be in those places where the conversations are happening. You know, TikTok is definitely not a perfect platform. That's that's not the point that I that we want people to take home today. But clearly, there's some merit in the way the app functions, where people can access health info in a really entertaining way. And if that's the way we reach people, I think that's okay. The TikTok also has some pretty cool initiatives out there called the Creative Learning Fund, uh, where they fund uh, influencers to actually create this content. And they have also donated a couple hundred million dollars to vaccine development uh, during the pandemic. I think what really makes TikTok stand apart here in some of the traditional conversation we have about using social media as a platform for getting health information out there is that as a platform, they seem to be taking this active approach for misinformation. They're making sure that posts have some availability to be, you know, from credible sources or that you can look up where someone may be talking about a topic in the beginning. And they're sort of putting their money where their mouth is, which I think makes, maybe makes them stand aside a little bit differently from some of the other ones that we're used to. Like we mentioned, this isn't the only sort of content being talked about on TikTok. And there's a lot of other important topics out there. And if you're looking for some more important topics for maybe some trusted sources, we'd recommend that you go look into some of the important promotion of women's health issues being done by obstetricians and gynecologists down in the States like Dr. Jennifer Lincoln and Dr. Stacey Tanaway, who are, again, using the same platform to provide really valuable but really important information for people out there who maybe didn't have the chance to engage with it in an earlier time in their life. And all of a sudden, it's become very important. Uh, As always, as we wrap up the show, we encourage you to do some reading on your own time. But also, try a couple of the dances on TikTok, watch some vaccine and health education videos, and let us know what you think. Did you find them helpful? Would you refer other people to it? We want to know. Sicker Than Your Average Health Show is written and hosted by Preet Gandhi and Josh Britton. The show is edited by Mac Britton. Today's music track is Let It Roll by Kaleidoscope Limited, coming to us from Ritual Music. Subscribe now and download on Apple and Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram at Sick Health Show. And again, check out Dr. Blakeney at Anna.Blakeney on TikTok. We're looking forward to sharing more with you on our next episode of Sicker Than Your Average Health Show.